You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Network's Quantum Leap Club. Our host, Parisha, will not be joining us tonight as she is traveling and teaching, so her co-hosts will cover tonight's material. Our co-hosts are Trina Cooper, lifelong entrepreneur from Denver, Colorado, Rosemarie Heyer, English teacher working with children in Frankfurt, Germany, Dr. Joyce Mollenhauer, doctor of naturopathy in Kingman, Arizona, Marianne Love, psychologist from Melbourne, Australia, Maria Dacus, a licensed marriage and family therapist from Miami, Florida, and Diana Eljabri, who is in finance and real estate industry, and is a booker owner of her own business in Toronto, Canada. I'm your guest host, for Adler. Our book this week is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself by Dr. Joe Dispenza. We're in chapter eight tonight, and we'll be discussing pages 175 through 215. We are broadcasting through Law of Attraction Radio Network. Let's begin. And Rose Marie, I believe you are first up. Lead us off with the co-host. Yeah, thank you. Well, I wanted to first give you a little piece of information just so you know what you're up to when you want to change. Did you know that you have about 60,000 thoughts each day and that 90% of them are repetitive? And also, did you know that you're only aware of 5% of what you're feeling, thinking, or behaving? So we have quite a task ahead, but we have some very important and strong tools. One of them is the observer and the other one is meditation. The first thing we really need to do is change our old self, change the old thoughts, the old feelings and the old behavior. And how do we do that? Well, we're using our observer. The observer is part of our higher self and we get access to that through meditation. Know thyself. That was on the temple of Apollo, written right on top of the temple on Apollo in Delphi in Greece, 600 before Christ. And the Greek people didn't know a lot of mysteries and mysterious processes. They used dream, hypnosis, and meditation to help people to get to their real self. They called it the temple sleep. And Dr. Joe Dispenser is saying familiar, familiar, um, sorry, familiarize yourself uh, with meditation about yourself. So the kind of meditation we are doing is bringing us into a greater awareness of who we really are. And so we can move out of this automatic and unconscious being. We are just reacting to everything and not thinking consciously. We basically take off the persona. Persona was a word for mask in Greek theater. And we take off that mask of our false identity and become really who we are. And one of the parts we are is the observer. We bring that in front. 
And with meditation, we also get access to our operating system, which is our unconsciousness and the 90% or the 95% we're not aware of, the subconsciousness. So how do we do that? Well, we are basically meditating. We are not engaging in any kind of thoughts. They're going to come anyway. You don't need to stop them. And we've been just becoming that stillness. And that stillness opens up uh, the door to the operation system. What we're basically doing is with the observer, you're putting like a flashlight, like we go in a basement, you know, and you, you have a flashlight and you just have a flashlight on this issue. And then you have a flashlight on that issue and you have a flashlight on that behavior. And so you basically enlighten them. You're enlightening your thoughts, feelings about your old self. You, we have enlightened. And the magic here is that the moment we see and acknowledge that into the open, like in metacognition, we are getting aware of it, we're already out of it. We already moved on. We already changed. I noticed when I kept repeating and thought, which I didn't want anymore, immediately the observer came up and said, hey, that was an unwanted thought. You remember? You wanted to eliminate that. You wanted to stop that. So I never again have a bliss of ignorance, you know, when I use that certain thought or when I have that feeling, because right away my behavior, my observer is coming in and saying, you wanted to stop that. So I really love that part. And that is already the success, because I remember in the beginning, I was saying, oh, my God, I was thinking this bad thought. No, that's not the success. The success is that the observer shows up. And the more you practice it, you will notice how your observer is supporting you. Sometimes uh, what we do is we bring up a lot of old stuff also when we access the operating system and really deeply buried emotions and images come up in stories we didn't even remember. And even our body reacts to when we were observing. Uh, some people are sharing that they have twitches and, and all kinds of shakings going on. And that is because it is also in our muscles and cells in our nervous system, all this old self. And the same procedure goes with creating a new self. We're observing and we're mentally rehearsing the new thoughts, the feelings, the behaviors. So the first we pruned away the neural networks of the old self, and then we are installing the new circuits of the new self, trimming it up. I've noticed when I imagined it, when I trimmed it, uh, and got really into the details, like how did it feel to get a large sums of money, or how does it feel to have uh, an exciting trip and really how I was I dressed? How did I walk? When I really got into that, immediately, just automatically, some elevated emotions came up, higher emotions like gratitude or excitement, joy, feeling blessed. And that is very important because that is changing our body chemistry. And it is the result of the brain showering us with biochemistry immediately when we're thinking. It's really happening right in the very moment. In the millisecond, the brain starts wiggling out neural connections. There's actually videos where you can see it. And also in the middle of it, it starts sending out new chemicals into the body. So to kind of summarize this process, which is described in the beginning of this chapter and which I put in some personal things to it is, first of all, you have to be mindful. That's important. Practicing mindfulness, awareness. Second, repetition. And most of all, the will to do it no matter what.
So that's what I'm sharing for right now. I might share more later. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you very much for leading us off, Rosemary. And uh, next, we're going to go to Maria. Yes, I'm right here. Um, anyways, that was an interesting, I, I want to leave off with that. And I just want to reiterate a point that Rosemary was making that he makes pretty much throughout his the book. Um, and very much so in the meditations, eventually that he's going to lead us into, which is an elevated emotion. And I'm starting to understand the the real significance of what that means um, because you know he, there's a lot that he says an elevated emotion must manifest in this time and space and we really need to understand what that means but any but the section and it kind of leads in into the section that that I've been assigned which is entitled cultivating self and you know, in this section, he defines meditation as cultivating self. And in Sanskrit, um, this means the actual word med to meditate means to cultivate self. So it may really made me think and I want to really encourage you all and our listeners to understand kind of ask yourself, and I, and I spent a good portion of the day thinking about this concept, what does it mean to really cultivate self? And in the book, you know, he he talks about toiling the soul, how we have to clean out the, the soil and you can't. In order to cultivate, you have to make conscious decisions. And that really means going into Rosemary alluded to it, that we're only five percent conscious, 95 percent. We're unconscious in the subconscious working from all these programs that we were conditioned. So we can't create the new self until we get rid of the old self. So that means that as we start to embark on, you know, and he keeps leading us into this meditation. I don't know if you've ever seen any examples of farming, but I, I you know, the other day I was watching a show. It was a farmer and how they prepare the land is they set controlled fires because they have to get rid of all the old soil, make sure that there's no bugs and no, you know, things in, in the sand, in the, in the soil. And it's a controlled fire. And then they dig up the soil, fertilize it, and then they plant the seed. And this is exactly what Joe Dispenza is lead us, leading us into. You know, we have to know what we're planting, where and how it works and, you know, in harmony with other plants, you know, what's in the area. Well, changing our old habits is no different. It's no different than, than toy, you know, cleaning out that soil and digging it up and getting it ready, which means that we have to be conscious. We have to be aware, you know, planning and preparation then becomes really important. And we have to do a daily mi mindful fun uh, attention. And when you're cultivating something, you're seeking to be in control. You know, and he talks a lot about this pruning and unpruning, uh, you know, these, these, a lot of that, he, he makes a lot of references to it in, in his, throughout the chapters in this book. And I encourage everyone to look into, I'm a real visual learner. So I, there's a video 
that Joe Dispenza does on YouTube that's called Neurons That Fire Together, Wire Together. And I really encourage you all listeners to go to that and look if you're a visual learner like I am, because it really shows you exactly the chemistry of what happens in our brains when we're focusing on a different thought versus the old thought and how those neurons actually disconnect. For me, it was really cool. I mean, I I just thought that was so amazing. So again, that is on YouTube and it's called Neurons That Fire Together, Wire Together. I really encourage you all. And I love how he lays the, the groundwork for where he's taking us with the meditation. Now I've been doing these meditations for some time and and have noticed the differences. Um, But he's leading us now into the next section, which is all about brainwaves and the the, the importance of entering into certain brainwaves in order to make these changes that we need to make. So that I will leave to my next presenter. Very good, thank you, Maria. Very, very excellent job. And um, next we have Trina. I believe that Joyce is gonna pick up from here and then I'll carry on from her. Oh, okay, very good, very yes. good. So the levels of brain levels, I have determined strongly I want a personal relationship with these. And so I, the words of brain level and the changes in them and the description of them is all really helpful. But for it to become real in my life, I've had to go searching a little bit. So electricity is something that maybe some of the people on this call have a full understanding of. I don't. And electricity can't be seen any more than brainwaves can be seen. But the difference is we can experience the effect of the brainwaves. So I went to a comparison with the the ocean and the movement on the surface of the ocean. So the very beginning levels of our brain level, brain waves movement would be compared to almost a calm ocean, but still some ripples and very peaceful and not a lot happening, just a stillness. So then you move to the next level of brain level, a brain wave level, then we start to have the rolling waves on the ocean. And I could stand and watch an ocean forever. And I have had not as many opportunities as I would like, but I enjoyed every one. Because the ocean changes by the moment, like the sky changes. And so as the waves start to increase in volume and speed, That was just such a wonderful visual for me about the brain waves. And then when it gets to the point, there's actually white caps. And that's when the surfers like it because they climb on those huge, or I guess they don't climb, but looks like they are. They move with those high crests of waves. And then you could picture the beta waves being very high. So each of the levels of brain waves do create a purpose for us when we recognize them. So I would encourage all of you to, unless you already have a really clear feeling of this, I see the framework that Dr. Joe Dispenza is creating in these chapters that we've already covered. 
the framework is being built for us so that then when we move from just being aware and start breaking into the subconscious with meditation, then we have a wide open doorway of the unknown, which is where we want to get to so that we can change. And I love the example of people, in, and I have been definitely involved myself doing this kind of thing. Why, doesn't that, why don't you do something different? Why are you still doing da, 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 da? And I ask myself the same question. Well, it's locked up into the subconscious at the moment. And meditation is one of the things that's going to take us through that analytical mind barrier so that it no longer stops us from figuring out why are we doing things and changing those unwanted habits. So that's kind of where I'm at at this moment. Yeah, I'm going to pick up. This is a little bit... Um of what Geraldine Dalby Ball would have covered if she was here. And um, we didn't really touch on the gamma waves that much, which um, on page 190 in the book, and I recommend that everybody go out and get this book if you really wanna break the habit of being yourself, because the visuals that are there will really help you too. And this is a great graphic about what the brain waves are like, um, beta, alpha, theta, delta, and then you've got the gamma. And gamma is the fastest one of all, but it's very, very, very compressed and coherent. And this, these brain waves kind of kick in. They sort of, you sort of shift into them when you're having an elevated state, whether you're happy or you're having some kind of profound experience in a meditation. These are heightened levels of consciousness. And it's pretty, it's fun when you get when you actually shift into those. So this is one of those things you can train yourself to do as well. And then as we move on, there's um, basically three um, types of beta waves. And the one thing you have to remember when your brain is in beta, it's usually, it, it's when you're in the awake state. It's when you're in the conscious state. And it really helps us move about in the world and do the things that we need to do. But low range beta, mid-range beta and high-range beta are three different levels of beta that we experience when we're conscious. And so the low range is kind of when we're interested, we're listening, we're kind of relaxed, we're paying attention, but we're really not active in it. The mid-range, again, is this focused attention on the external. When we're in our conscious mind, we're generally focused on the external. And we're more alert, we're more engaged. It's like when we're having a debate or we're working on analytical thinking or something like that, we're stimulated. And then there's high range beta, which is what we pop into in stressful situations. It really kicks our whole body. If you remember, the brain literally sends signals to the body. So when we hit high beta, it begins sending the signals and the chemicals to the rest of the body saying, hey, you better ramp it up. You better get ready for this. And your heart rate increases and your digestion changes and all your focus goes into this one space of being totally focused on a threat. Now, one thing about high beta is that um, it's only meant for short-term survival. It's not 
And it serves us really well when we get into that phase. But when we use it all the time, when we're in a constant state of emergency, it knocks us out of balance. It uses a ton of energy. And if we use it too often, we can literally become addicted to that stress. It has a huge impact. And unfortunately, it is used way too often by too many people here. So it creates the negative emotions, the negative reactions, and the behaviors of victimization. I mean, that you can kind of imagine someone that's sort of just spinning out of control. They're in high beta. So that's the, that's the little bit of what Geraldine would have covered. I'm going to go ahead and, and start with some of the things that I wanted to make a point about tonight, too. So when we're in this high beta, uh, the brain's really in disorder because we've got waves that are going um, we're focused on time. We're focused on the environment. We're focused on the body. You hear Dr. Joe say that all the time. When our brain is coherent, when we're thinking clearly, when we're relaxed, it sends these messages to our body. Our body works in balance and we stay healthy. But when we're in sustained high beta, it's fast and it taxes the system. And we can never move into this creative space or problem solving space because we're in this place of being afraid or we're sad or we're angry and we're reactive and we're pointing out at all the things that are causing us to feel this way. And what's crazy is, you know that monkey mind when you just keep thinking over and over and over a thought or you wake up in the, with a panic attack or stress this is, this is the result of this high beta waves. And what's important about this, because we do run in this so often, we need to learn how to create a state change. And that's what we're doing with meditation. Now, grandmother Parisha has taught us to make agreements with each other um, to follow when we get into some of these things and someone can just say, stop, change. And it's enough to kind of knock you out of where you're at to go, wait a minute, did I just spin into this place again? Somebody just noticed. Well, having a buddy like that, that's a great thing to do. Make an agreement with somebody if you're trying to change the way that you are. The other thing is that um, creating state changes, you might see this if you're involved in, a, in some kind of a program or something where they'll, they'll get you all excited and then they'll bring you back down. Or they'll ramp you up and then they'll move you into something else. These are state changes, and there's ways that professional speakers actually learn how to do this. But what's important to know as it comes to our body is that when we're ramped up and we're running in high beta, we need to create a state change to get us out of that space of repetitive thoughts, of being under stress, of not being able to sleep, and that was one of the key things is if you can't sleep, if you can't wind yourself down and have a really nice night's sleep and your mind is continuing and continuing, it's a pretty good sign that you're running in high beta and you need to take a look at some alternatives. Now we're moving into meditation, which is really critically important here. And what we want to do is learn how to move ourselves from this high beta into the lower brainwave states of alpha and theta, because that's where we can create, that's where we can problem solve, 
that's where we can get incredible ideas and inspirations just kind of drop in. So we definitely need to move out of this crisis mode. Now, when we look at this high beta again, we are focused heavily on time, on body, and on the environment. And again, there's some really great graphics in this, in this book to take a look at the actual pictures that he's drawn to show us that if we're focused on time, our brain waves might look one way. If we're focused on the body, it might look another way. If we're focused on the environment, it might be the other way. But when we're running in high beta and we're thinking about all those things, it's like all these little waves that are so incoherent, just sort of mosh up and his picture almost looks like a bowl of spaghetti noodles with waves going in every single direction. And how can you think clearly when your brain's going like that? You really need to go outside and take a walk. You need to take a breath. You need to stop and create that state change. And you need to be able to get your mind in a place where you don't have fractured attention, but you can begin to have focus. So again, there's one other graphic that's really cool in here that kind of lays it out, which is this idea between focused and incoherent. And he shows a picture of like a laser light and how that light is so focused. It, it's extremely powerful and, and can cut. I mean, they use it for healing, for surgeries and stuff, where an incoherent wavelength might be like an incandescent light bulb where the light just goes out every direction. It's not focused. So that's where I wanna leave people tonight, just with that idea that you need to become focused and you need to become um, more coherent. And by doing these state changes, by using meditation, this is gonna be one way for you to do it. Thank you, Trina, for that information. Awesome jobs you guys are doing. Um, now, do we have voice next? Marianne's here. We're all about the... Um frequencies and brain patterns today. And I was also interested in that because I think it's really the key to change and understanding the science behind it for all of us. And I have had in my um, career some experience with neurofeedback. So I thought that was really relevant to what we're talking about because Joe sort of simplifies it here, sort of like makes you feel like you're going from one brainwave pattern to another. But actually, when I've done neurofeedback, which is about measuring the brain activity of a person and then using um, feedback equipment to actually reward different brainwave patterns. So let's say you're someone that has like you're hyperactive, you're super anxious and stressed. So when we put the neurofeedback equipment on, we're going to see that actually emanating from your brain. It's going to be able to be picked up on electrical equipment. Um, and then, then the neurofeedback can train those slower brainwave patterns, actually give you rewards for uh, producing a slower pattern. But I think the interesting thing is like when I, from what I've observed, all the brainwave patterns are actually happening all at the same time. It's not like you just go from one to the other and it's like the others aren't there. They're, they're all present. And all that really happens is the voltage that's going through each of those brainwaves either dials up or dials down. So if you're in a high beta state, you can reduce that by regulating your breathing, having a patterned breath. So you're regulating your nervous system 
And then that will automatically, by closing your eyes and regulating and calming, that automatically puts more voltage through those other brainwave patterns. So that will rev up and the, um, the high beta pattern will actually get less voltage. So I think it's important to understand there's a couple of things that are different. There's frequency, which is about how fast the wave oscillates through space in a second. And then there's the voltage that's going through, which is the amps. It's like the amount of power that's going through it. So, um, so all those frequencies are happening, but we want the voltage to shift basically. And that can happen through attention and people can train it through neurofeedback. So, um, so neurofeedback, we basically hook wires up to the brain and, and connect it up to a computer program that will give you little rewards. So like, let's say um, you're looking at this computer program and an image pops up and your brain feels rewarded by that image. But the image is only set to pop up when you produce a stronger alpha um, voltage. And then your brain goes, oh, I like that. I like that image. And then it got rewarded for that it, for your stronger alpha. I'm not sure if this is making sense. You have to let me know. But it gets rewarded for the stronger alpha. So then it produces more of it because it got rewarded for it. And then the more you do that, the brain naturally loves feedback. So then it starts to produce that pattern naturally. So after one session, you might find it holds for a couple of hours. But after 20 sessions, you might find it just holds that new brainwave pattern because the brain loves to upgrade itself anyway. Um, so it can be done. But I realized after doing quite a bit of neurofeedback, it can be done through meditation easily, easily through meditation. It just takes that regular practice of going in and allowing the brain, giving it time to do that real settling and going through the different patterns and different frequencies and amps of the brain. And you feel it, like you feel yourself drop, almost like a dropping into a certain state. And you just recognize, oh, that's where, you know, theta is now stronger than it was, or alpha is stronger than it was. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to share, but um, more on that later. All right, very, very good. And now I believe we have Diana up next. Yes, thank you. Fantastic. Okay, uh, you know what? As I reviewed this chapter again, that chart, uh, or let's say the drawing on page 20, you know, looks like an open slate to me, an empty circle, round circle. And I have to address it. You know, I relate this body of work uh, again this week to my Zen practice, approaching life with beginner's mind. You know, what is Zen mind, beginner's mind? Dropping the expert's mind and seeing the learning as a beginner, you know, is, is very important and it's being discussed over and over again. It's something you can practice every single moment of every day they say children's mind is like a sponge. The first four years of life are so critical and will mold their process, you know, for a lifetime. So, you know, why is this so important? The formation of our thought process, and it is so important. And this trap, uh, this, you know, chapter eloquently uncovers the why of it. It drops our expectations and preconceived ideas about something, seeing things with open mind, fresh eyes, just like a child or beginner. 
Can you remember what that's like when you first learned something new? You were probably confused because you didn't know how to do the task or the thing. Looking at everything as if it's brand new with curiosity and wonder. That's beginner's mind. But imagine if you could apply this to every activity. Like eating, you know, breakfast, for example. You start by seeking or seeing the activity by eating uh, with your eyes and looking at it through fresh eyes as if you don't know what to expect, as if you hadn't done it thousands of times already. You, you look at the food, you look at the bowl, the spoon, and try to see the details that you might not have already noticed. You notice the textures, the tastes, smells, and the sight of the food. Pay close attention as if you hadn't seen it before or tasted it before. Don't take anything for granted and appreciate every bite as a gift. It is temporary, fleeting, and precious. But why does it matter when we practice beginner's mind with all these activities? You know, we aren't clouded by prejudgments or fantasies about what it should be and can't be disappointed or frustrated by the experience because there's no fantasy or preconception to compare it to. And in relationships, instead of being frustrated by them because they aren't meeting our ideal, you can see them with fresh eyes and notice that they're just trying to be happy and have good intentions, even if they're not our intentions. So the practice of beginner's mind can transform any activity and get rid of a lot of these difficulties and allow us to be more flexible, open, curious, grateful, and present. And as I mentioned before, this chapter really sums that up for me in a lot of the charts. And particularly when I saw that one that was the empty circle, it really brought to light for me. And I wanted to share a little more about uh, beginner's mind and the Zen mind. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Diana. Appreciate that. Now, uh, we have uh, a good amount of time for the co-host to be able to share additionally from what they've read or perhaps what has been said by some of the other co-hosts. So uh, who would like to jump in on that and begin that? I'll start that. Uh, this is Joyce in Kingman, Arizona. Uh, something that jumped right off the pages for me today was when you're concentrating with, with what feels like full focus on some project and suddenly you catch yourself staring off into space. My ears really perked up because during school years, and thank goodness there's a lot more information now, but that used to happen to me a lot. And lo and behold, I'd be sent out to the hallway to sit because I wasn't concentrating. Well, what they've learned was those moments of staring off into space actually is consolidating what you have been working with and thinking through so that it becomes knowledge for you. And then you can go back and concentrate again. So you're actually slipping into the alpha state momentarily, or maybe a few more than a moment. And having that stay 
very strong. And I'm sure uh, for sure Marianne with her work maybe can elaborate on that. All right, thank you. This is Marianne. I can elaborate on something that I did with neurofeedback once that I thought is quite interesting. When I was first training with neurofeedback, they put the lady I was training with, she was a GP, but she was pretty happy-go-lucky. Like, you know, it's pretty much an Australian thing. It'd be like, yeah, she'll be right, mate. Don't worry about it. It's all cool. So the lady put the neurofeedback equipment on the emotional center of my brain and um, put basically rewarded my brain for ramping up. It rewarded the emotional center of my brain for, um, how do I explain this? Yeah, it basically encouraged high beta or beta in the emotional center of my brain. So I put instead of calming me, instead of like putting more voltage through like alpha, which is more relaxed or theta, it actually put more voltage through beta or high beta. And so by the end of only like literally like within three minutes of neurofeedback, I found myself feeling different. Like I felt a little bit nauseous, a little bit not right. Within six minutes, I felt really quite nauseous and um, quite like starting to get really agitated. And then within nine minutes of neurofeedback, I was so angry. I've never, because I'm not really an angry person. Like I don't walk around angry. I'm pretty peaceful, meditate every day, like pretty, you know, regulated usually. And um, like within nine minutes of neurofeedback, I was so angry. Like I could have like ripped the streets up. Like I could have thrown furniture around. Like I was really, really angry. And there was nothing to be angry at. There was, literally she put a few more amps through the left the emotional center of my brain and I was off and we actually literally had to undo that through more neurofeedback because the teacher did finally come and see what was going on and um and undid it but it's like wow this stuff's really really powerful actually what we can do over nothing because I'm sure if I wasn't in that context I could have made up any sort of story about why I was angry but I knew I was just sitting there doing nothing and I wasn't angry at anything and suddenly I wanted to like tear down the walls so this is powerful stuff actually what we can do with just changing our brainwave patterns wow that's an amazing <laughs> amazing experience that you had uh Rosemary has her hand up yeah I thought it was really kind of interesting, Joyce, that you shared that about the concentration, because I was just reading an article uh, recently uh, where they talked about that in the 50s and 60s, concentration was the most important thing, concentrate, you know, especially in school. And I was one of these people, too. I got off all the time. And now they have discovered, and unfortunately, I forgot who it was, but they discovered there was one university who constantly has one Nobel Prize after the other and one whatever, you know, discovery after the other. And they looked at that. How do they work? And what they found out that they work in a very loose, flexible environment. There's a lot of time to dream, to go away, to relax. There are couches. There's, it's just the whole thing is not about concentration at all. It's all about dreaming and getting into that imaginary realm, you know, we talked about before, you know, and dreaming it up, basically dreaming it up. And, and I think that's so important nowadays. What I, what I came up with is that 
that uh, it is really a challenge for me to constantly be aware during the day. And I notice that I have some, that I'm reactivated some denial methods to, to not look at it. And um, one thing which is helping me now is to time it. And um, not only to time like, okay, maybe every hour you can take a moment to be aware, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I doing here right now? But also, what I like is to time the, the more how you call it, the, the transforming feelings, the positive thoughts. So to take a, I, I, uh, the time on my smartphone, maybe every uh, hour I do it usually, or every two hours I have it right now. I just sit back for a moment and just simply out of nothing, you know, like Marion said, out of nothing, I create love or joy or gratitude and just sit there for a moment and just, make it up, you know, let it happen. And that really makes a difference because it seems like just kind of like the neurofeedback, it seems to stay for quite a while and I'm not so much in the reactionary cycle. I just wanted to share that. Great, Lovely. thank you very much. All right. I'd like to share okay. something. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, great. Um, this is Diana again. Um, I was really thinking a lot about that movie with Jim Carrey. Uh, I think the movie was called um, The Yes Man. <laughs> it was such a wonderful movie. So here was a gentleman that was in a rut. And life was just, I think his, maybe his girlfriend or fiance had broken up with him. He couldn't get back on his feet. He, I think he may have lost his job or he was in a rut with where, where he was working and nothing could move him out of that state. Um, and in this chapter at the end, there's a couple of examples of people after they you know, did the process and uh, tried a, a different, uh, this approach that uh, what ends up happening for them is there was kind of a crack in the uh, in the universe for them. And that's really what happened to Jim. He went to a seminar <laughs> and I think it was the yes seminar. So he had to say yes to everything. <laughs> so um, and he's so funny. So I think what was amazing about that film is then he just had to just change, say yes to everything. And in the process of him doing that, the unfolding and the transformation of his life and all the people around him and how he, he energized uh, everybody and, in, and including himself and, and was living a really wondrous life. So um, yeah, I wanted to share that and how wonderful that is. And I, I think about that movie often and how wonderful it is. We you know, always have the instinct to be kind of like, you know, looking at something and calculating, oh, how much work is that going to be? Or if I say yes, then I'm committing to ABCD. He was just saying yes to everything. <laughs> so, and he got married and he did this, 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 this. And no matter what came along, he just said, yes, yes, yes. And his life just grew into a phenomenal kind of existence. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you, Diane. I appreciate that very much. Trina. Yeah, I love these stories that that he puts in the book, too. And the one that really touched me had to do with the Buddhist monks and the fact that, you know, they could get themselves into this very, very high, peaceful state, get up, go out into the world, come back. And basically, their brainwaves were the same 
as the way they were before. And that is what we're really working at, creating the change in ourselves so that we change the way we observe and the way we react and get ourselves into a place where being and moving from like a mid beta to low beta to into an alpha state becomes so commonplace to us that we can simply sit down for a moment take a breath and reorganize ourselves. And, and I think I may have shared this once before, but there was a story I was taught about the observer that, and I think it's so relevant, um, especially here, that when we come, you know, when we go into a movie theater and it, it's the way I learned about the observer, but when we go into a movie theater and we get all wrapped up in the emotions, we get all wrapped up in the story, we get, you know, you can feel your heart racing. You can feel how energized you are, how sad you are, whatever it is. Um, and you get caught up in what's going on in that. But if you stepped into that as a movie critic and you were watching the acting and you were watching things play out and you were listening to the film score or listening, you know, paying attention to things that critics would pay attention to, you don't get caught up in the emotion. So that's one of the tricks when you feel something becoming very, very um, uptight, tense or whatever is to take, to take that breath and move yourself back into this very calm space and then watch what's going on. And it's really amazing how clear you can think and how creative you can be when you're not caught up in the, everything that's happening. So that's part of what meditation does for us is it brings us into this, gives us this ability to rewire our brains so that when we choose, we can step back and take a breath and really hone in on things that are going on or hold a space for someone else that's having issues or um, be able to contribute. So it's really, this is beautiful. And I really want the listeners to pay attention to this and to take up some kind of a practice that really does help you work with your brain. It's an excellent description and, and suggestion. Thank you. Marianne? Yeah, interesting. On page 208, he has the definition of the mind. So I thought it might be interesting to discuss it, like what your guys' opinion on what the mind is. But he says the mind is the brain in action or the brain's activity when it processes different streams of consciousness. So what is the mind? He's saying the brain in action. I thought that was interesting to consider what's the mind and how far does it go beyond the brain? Does it go, is the mind still there when there, there is very limited brain activity? Like, anyway, I thought I'd open that up for a question. Does anyone have opinion on it? I do. I, I love that question because the whole number of chapters that we've already covered is showing us that we can have control over that brain that's in action. And then we can have the result of what action we use to create the life that we want to offer because of who we are. Well, I might like to add to that, that uh, the, uh, when we do this um, metacognition, when we observe, the, most of the work for observing is done in the frontal lobe, which is really interesting because it is actually the newest part of our brain. 
So something happened that we are more into moving, observing. And then I also heard that, um, the, so the mind is, is more into the frontal lobe than it was maybe in, the, in our evolution, in our time when we were more with the limbic brain and the emotions or the survival brain. And also I've, I've heard somewhere that the, the new children who are coming in having larger frontal lobes, having larger growths here in front of it, so, so there seems to be a part of the brain which creates, is able to create a mindset, maybe they, they say it this way, is able to create a mindset which moves into observing. And also the frontal lobe has the ability to access everything in the brain, but it, what it mostly does, as Dr. Joe also shares it sometimes, is to calm down the rest of the brain. And that brings us into that quiet mind space, maybe. Thank you, Rosemary. I appreciate that. Uh, Maria, did you have something you wanted to add there? Um, well, it's kind of, I, you know, it's it, to add what everybody is saying. It's for me, what's fascinating about all this work is, you know, how he goes into all the specific descriptions of the brain waves and how important that is. And you know, it, it really, in the end result, what we're all looking to do is to change the old habits of being ourselves. And, um, you know, for me, just to add what I had met, shared earlier, that neurons that fire together, wire together, if I'm constantly thinking it, the same thought, then I'm creating, I, I, you know, I share with my patients, and I use the same example for myself, this highway that I travel along all the same time. And, you know, I'll use in my own personal growth, um, I used to, I recently within the last couple of years, I finally decided to start tithing. And I never was able to let myself get to that point of tithing um, because I always used, to, I had the mindset and I know where that comes from. Obviously a lot of these things are, are rooted in our childhood. But it was always like, it's not enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. So if I have that constant thought, I don't have enough, well, I always created that reality. And it wasn't until I let go and started to really apply and incorporate some of these, you know, principles and teachings that I started to tithe. And lo and behold, I sure enough have enough. I, I do have enough. So what he's giving us here is a roadmap to really, once you embrace this work and, and, and really integrate it, I truly believe that a lot of what all of you listeners and we all are looking for is really to just have happy, be healthy, and you know, live a comfortable life. That's what we all want, happiness, health, and wealth. That's what I wanted to share. Thank you, Maria. We have a few more minutes. Uh, perhaps if each of you would like to do just a, a summary. I'll do a little summary. I, I feel that we've covered a whole lot of material in these chapters leading up to doing some really active um, processes to lead us to be master at meditation. So what I would suggest to people who have been following us is to, to go after the pieces that rung some bells for you. 
not just an intellectual bell, but a, a feeling bell, so that then you can explore that in, in some direction, so that this can become real in your life, and then you can keep expanding from that point. And that's only if you're feeling like it's a lot of material. Maybe it's all flowing beautifully for you and you will lead directly then into mastery meditation. I, I would trust. I would like to share that um, you can get overwhelmed because Dr. Joe likes to go be really detailed and we appreciate that. And he keeps repeating his concepts, which we appreciate too, because there's some different angles you can look at things. But when it comes to the practice, um, uh, some people just jump over that. You know, a lot of people haven't read the book and they do the meditations. And he says clearly that when you have read the book and you understood the concepts, that your brain is already prepared. It has already developed neural networks around this whole idea. And it is much easier than for you to do the meditation because you know what you're doing. Oh, I'm getting into alpha wave. Oh, I'm eliminating these thoughts. So it is important to understand the concepts. On the other hand, my experience has been that um, I started with a lot of things I wanted to eliminate right from the beginning. You know, let's do it, you know. But I think it it's more helpful to start with one thing, you know, just, just start with one thing you want to eliminate, uh, one thing you want to focus on in your meditation as an observer, and then go from there. Thank you. Thank you, Rosemary. This is Trina from Denver. And I guess the point I want to make is that, you know, this is natural. This is naturally who we are. We're made up of this, these mind states, the, the brain waves, and we naturally shift between one and another as we move throughout our day, as, as we grow. And the key to this is that we want to learn how to do it consciously. We want to direct it ourselves to move from one place to another and not get stuck in any one place. So that's what that's to me what's in this book right here. He gave us some knowledge and now we get to use it. Um, and we get to basically consciously move ourselves from one state to another when we want to use it and when it's necessary. So keep in mind, this is natural for us. We're understanding it better and we want to learn how to move between them. Thanks, Trina. Yeah, this is Maria. I just want to say one last thing. And he says, you know, he tells us once the body is no longer in control, we're the masters, we're in control. And when we're working from true control and more of that, instead of just that 5%, then we're working in the realm of true, true power. Then we're like children again. And that through that, we're entering into the kingdom of heaven. That is real power to me. Thank you. Marianne. I'd like to leave everyone with a question. And the question is, who are the we that's in control when we've turned everything on the, in the body off, as Maria just shared? Who, are the, who is the we, the I am that's in control? I think that's good to meditate on. Ah, very, very good. Thank you all for, again, a wonderful session. Um, 
of discussion and, and personal sharings and insights. And it is that time to conclude our studies this evening. And we want to thank you for sharing your time and energy with us. You matter and count, so you always make a difference. And we look forward to being have you be with us next week as we make that leap into greater consciousness. Have a powerful week and allow your light to shine. And always, all good things to you. Have a good week. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week. You're listening to the Law of Attraction.